Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Okay, so many of you have asked if I have a deliverance training, and so I have produced this just for you. This is the first episode of four episodes. I want you to be empowered in the ways of deliverance. Most importantly, that you can walk yourself through deliverance and also somebody else. All right, here we go. I am so glad you are here today for this series starting on deliverance. So, so many people have asked, uh, do I do a deliverance training? Can I do a deliverance training? So I have decided to produce this for you. So now this is just episode one. I'm going to be walking you through just steps, and I say steps, of deliverance. When you're ministering deliverance to somebody, most specifically when you're ministering deliverance to yourself. Now, I say steps like this because I think it's important for us to realize that there is nothing methodical in the spirit. At the end of the day, you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You have to be willing to surrender and submit yourself to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and really trust him to walk you through any deliverance that you are going through or any deliverance that you are ministering to somebody else. But there are some general um, things that we learn from scripture. There are some general things that I have learned from my experience that can be backed up with scripture. But today, I want to talk to you about where we see uh, deliverance in the Bible where we see somebody demon-possessed and let's take a look at what does it mean to actually be demon-possessed. Now in Mark chapter 1 verse 32 it says this, at evening when the sun had set they brought him all who were sick to those who and those who were demon-possessed. So they're talking about Jesus. They brought to Jesus all the people who were sick and all the people who were demon-possessed. Now to be demon-possessed means to be under the influence of a demon or to be demonized. And so I say this because I know a lot of people, we have this, this you know, burning question of can a Christian have a demon? And I think there's a difference between coming under the influence, allowing a demon to influence your actions, influence the way you think, versus an actual demon possession that takes over your, your entire being. Um, so it is important that we understand that when scripture talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit, he is talking about your spirit is sealed until the day of Christ Jesus. However, your soul is that gateway. When I speak to your soul, I'm talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. In other words, the things that I think about, the things I feel, and the things that I choose. It is absolutely possible for me to give authority over to a demonic entity who is influencing me, speaking to me, trying to be one with me. And through my mind, through my affections, and certainly through the choices that I engage in, I can give legal rights to a demon to take up residence in my physical body. So you are first and foremost a spirit being who has a soul that dwells in the flesh. So all of us experience the whisperings of other voices in our mind on a regular basis. And a lot of times we think that means we're schizophrenic. It just means we have many voices, many influences. You have your own voice. You have the voice of the world. You certainly have the voice of social media. You probably have the voice of your past. Many of you have the voice of your uh, your mom or your dad. Maybe it's your grandmother. Or maybe it's not even an affectionate voice. It might be an abusive voice that you hear in your mind a lot. And then there is the voice of the enemy 
Moreover, the enemy uses familiar voices to try and influence, to give him permission to begin to reside in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and begin to cause us to feel like there are moments where we lose ourselves or lose control in a moment. So let me just kind of break it down. Uh, in moments where I feel like I was just overwhelmed with anger, I was overwhelmed with depression, I was overwhelmed with a thought of suicide. And then when I snapped out of it, I was like, oh, it was so weird that I felt that way in a moment. Those could be, those could be evidences of demonic habitation somewhere in your body. And the more you have thoughts that are in likeness to demonic uh, influences, the more you give, uh, the more you give legal rights to your body to these demo demonic influences. So in theory, yes, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in, all those demons should come rushing out, but we still have the soul to contend, contend with. We still have our mind, we still have our free will, we still have our own emotions, and we still have our own choices that we have to contend with. And that's why it's so important on a regular basis that we are training ourselves towards righteousness, working out our salvation so that we are continuously shutting the door to any demonic voices demonic influences so that we will not come under the influence or be demonized by anything other than the influence and the possession of the Holy Spirit. All right, so in Mark, uh, in Mark 139, it says this, and he, meaning Jesus, was preaching in their synagogues throughout Galilee, casting out demons. Now notice that Jesus was dealing with ordinary people in the synagogues. So again, this tells me that a lot of times we think deliverance is for the crazy person, the person that's head is spinning around and vomiting up green vomit. But Jesus actually went into the ordinary person. He went into the synagogues, the people of God, and it says that he was casting out demons. This was not a rare occurrence for him. Rather, it was a normal everyday thing. And so this is what we see in the scripture regarding um, deliverance, not just in the gospels, but also after Jesus came, we see it in the book of Acts. We see the disciples doing likewise and the apostles going and ministering, not just salvation, but also healing and deliverance. In fact, we don't see a big difference between healing and deliverance. Where Jesus was healing, there was deliverance. He says to the woman who was bent over, um, that she had a spirit of infirmity, and then he said, rise up for thou art healed, showing us that the root of her affliction was a spirit of infirmity. So it's hard to distinguish, if you take a look at things biblically, between healing and deliverance. So we should expect that when somebody is being healed, they're also being delivered from something. We should certainly expect when somebody is being delivered from something, they're being healed. They could be healed of a thought. They could be healed of a lie. They could be healed of a physical affliction. Now, I like to throw into there also that there should not be a distinguishment between healing, deliverance, and discipleship. So a lot of times uh, we think we're discipling people. If you're discipling them well, they should be getting delivered of negative thoughts. They should be get, getting delivered of demonic influence. They should be getting healed of depression. They should be getting healed from addiction. So when we're discipling people, the goal here is to move them into the person of Jesus Christ more and more 
get them to surrender more and more to the Holy Ghost in their life. And the more surrender we have to the Holy Ghost, the more freedom, the more deliverance, the more healing begins to take place in our bodies and in our minds and in our emotions and in our choices and in our relationships and in our finances. So I don't like to draw a hard line between healing, deliverance, and discipleship. I think they should all be ministered, intertwined together. In fact, I tell people, Deliverance is usually just some sort of an anchor or a barrier that keeps you from being wholly devoted to your discipleship process in Christ. So sometimes when we're being discipled and we keep hitting these barriers or we're trying to overcome something and we keep hitting these barriers, that might be the sign of a, of a, of a demon or a possession of some sort where we might need um, to go through some deliverance. So bottom line, your deliverance is not what is going to drop you into your destiny. Rather, it is intended to remove any barrier, any opposition that keeps you from being wholly devoted to your discipleship and your discipline in your life. So I like to tell people when I'm doing deliverance on them, what are your plans after this? What are your plans to cultivate that uh, deliverance in the form of devotion, discipline, and discipleship. And I want that person to have a plan. I want them to take it very seriously because I, what I don't want to think is that dis, uh, deliverance is the final answer. Okay, so areas in your life where you don't feel fully in control are likely areas where you might need deliverance. Um, now, remember, we're not going to cast out flesh. There, The flat flesh still needs to be contended with. That's that discipleship and discipline piece. We're not casting out the flesh, we're casting out demons. And sometimes people are like, I want to come and get deliverance and it's going to fix all of my patterns and all of my behaviors and all of my choices. Those are the areas where you will have to engage in discipline and discipleship. I know I'm being very repetitive, but I want to be very intentional because I, while I do minister deliverance, my heart is actually discipleship. My heart is to see people discipled into the fullness of Christ, the fullness of who they're called to be. And often that requires deliverance. But my first motive is to minister the person of Jesus to them and disciple them by the power of the Holy Spirit and the um, authority of the word of God. So you've got to have all of them. The definition of cast out means to expel, which is the opposite of inhale. So it's to expel or exhale which is a lot of times why we see people coughing, choking, throwing up when they're going through deliverance because they're actually just casting out, they're exhaling. So we're looking for uh, this entity to come up out of the body in some form or fashion. A lot of times as we feel that entity coming up, it will trigger your gag reflexes, which is a lot of times why people vomit or at least feel like they're going to vomit um, because the actual Greek definition to cast out means to expel or exhale. So this means there might be, there must be an action that that probably will include a physical result. Um, so in other words, a lot of times we need to give um, we need to give people room. We need to give them permission to respond, let their body do what it needs to do. I will tell them before I go into deliverance, whatever your body needs to do, let it do it. If you feel like you need to yell, if you feel like you need to cry, if you feel like you need to laugh, if you feel like you need to scream, if you feel like you need to cough, some people will begin sneezing. Um, also a sign of expelling is crying, lots of snot. 
And so we wanna make sure we give somebody permission to just really release all of that. Now let me make this real for you for a moment. Um, a lot of times uh, demons will hold on to unforgiveness, unrepentance. So uh, we've all experienced probably a scenario in our life where we've held on to unforgiveness and we've been angry with somebody. And whether it's two days, two weeks, or two years, the moment you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to begin to forgive that person, often there comes some sort of a physical release in that. Sometimes we begin to cry, but there is no doubt that you feel a physical, actual physical response when you finally release that anger through the choice of forgiveness. When you finally repent that you've been holding that person accountable to you through unforgiveness, that bitterness has taken, uh, taken up root in your heart, you begin to repent of that as you are, uh, as you are forgiving that person, uh, and you can feel that physical release in your in your life. And so, in some regard, you're kind of casting that demon of anger, that spirit of anger, um, out. This is good news because I think a lot of times we think we are our own worst enemy. But remember, the Bible says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, and that we need to we need to train and disciple our flesh. Often uh, we come up against our flesh when it's actually a demon that's influencing us and that is making us feel uh, that out of control feeling. So it's really important that we understand that. The Bible says this, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So how does a believer get a demon? Uh, whoever has no rule over his own Spirit is like a broken down city without walls. A believer can get a demon when you are not checking yourself on a regular basis. You're not being intentional to allow the spirit of the Lord to search you, to seek you, to see if there be any wicked way in you, to search you for offense, to search you for anger, to search you for bitterness. Um, and so we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to continuously do a sweep of our heart, a sweep of our mind, lest you be like a city broken down with any rules, lest you be a human that has no rule over your own spirit. So let's talk about this verse. Where the carcass is, there the vultures will be gathered. So going back to the flesh versus demons, that passage was from Matthew 24, 28, by the way. The carcass in this passage represents your flesh, and of course, the vultures represents demons. So if we're, where there is no carcass, there will be no demons. So the vultures uh, want to feed upon your flesh. Demons want to feed upon your fleshy decisions, your fleshy emotions, your fleshy thoughts, behaviors that are very fleshy. No carcass means no vultures. So the more you are walking in the spirit and not in your flesh, the less demons will peck with you or mess with you. Now, they're still going to show up and try and get you to be tempted. But if you're not feeding your flesh and you're feeding the spirit of the Lord, you will not be like that city without walls. You will not be like the man who has no rule over his own spirit. Rather, you will be walking in the confidence and in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. So we must disciple the flesh and the soul, but be delivered from demons. So it's important that we make that distinction. 
Okay, so let's move on. I talked a little bit about sickness versus demons, that there's no distinction there uh, in the Bible. I've already kind of addressed that, but I want to take you to Luke 40, 42. When the sun was setting, all of those who had been sick with various diseases brought them to him, meaning Jesus, and he, meaning Jesus, laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he, meaning Jesus, rebuked them, did not allow them to speak. Again, it says in Acts 10, 38, it spoke of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Again, we learn from this that there's not a big distinction in the, in the Bible between healing and um, and deliverance, that they kind of went hand in hand. And again, I stress, stress, stress the importance of that discipleship piece in there as well. Okay, so this concludes part one. And I'm going to be walking you through just some really practical steps slash tips, things that you need to know uh, in regard to deliverance. So you don't want to miss it. Hit that notification bell and I'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.